G'day guys, Aaron here. Welcome to the Outback Mind Podcast, episode 238. Now, today I have a very special guest on by the name of Mr. Scott Darlow. Scott is a, an Indigenous Australian man, very passionate about his culture and heritage, maintaining that culture and heritage. And he's also an artist, a magnificent artist of uh, uh, music. And he basically uh, is about to go to, he's got a new album coming out shortly, a new single to be released. We're going to talk about that and everything in between. We're also going to talk about, uh, I suppose, Indigenous culture in its essence, where he sees it uh, currently and where he believes we need to be able to head uh, moving forward to maintain and retain the magnificent culture that it is. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Please check out our, our website, www.outbackmind.org.au. If you want to get in touch, please email me, support outbackmind.org.au. Check out the Outback Mind Foundation on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn and please uh, support us and help us out. Thanks for listening in. G'day, Scott. How are you? Mate, I'm well. How are you? Awesome. Now, you're sitting in Melbourne and it's 12 degrees and I'm sitting in central Queensland and it's about double that or more. So uh, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy, but uh, I know what it's like down there, mate, in the middle of winter. So uh, stay warm. You know, it's not, it's not your friend and uh, every year I consider, you know, more and more I consider moving to Buddy Tugan or Coolangatta or, yeah. you know, even... even um, yeah, uh, we're in the in the one country, and it's amazing how um, how uh, you know separate we are. I suppose it's the climate and all sorts of things. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I got some mates at the moment. They're at Falls Creek skiing. Yep. You know, on school holidays, and their teachers, and then and then you know, four and a half hours drive. Somebody else is down at the bloody Torquay getting some winter waves. So yeah, amazing, mate. Now tell me, uh, man, like I, I really, really love uh your music and what you do and also you know i want to know a bit more about you and your culture where were you originally from and um you know where's where's life sort of um taken to uh taken you to where you are now yeah so um i'm an aboriginal man from yorta yorta country so that means my mum's side of the family's from echuca shepherd and up that way yep um, dad, dad's family uh from Tassie originally, they his great 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 grandfather was fifteen from outside of St Andrews in Scotland and got caught stealing fruit and transported to Tasmania for seven years in the eighteen hundreds with his brother, mm. long brother, and so they, you know, they made a life down there and um, so yeah, a bit of a bit of a mix of it, of all these things. Mm, amazing, mate. I yeah, I lived in the Shepparton area. I know the Rumbalara uh, tradition quite well. And what was your yep. mom, what was your mum's maiden name? Adalo. Yeah, Dallas. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I actually I actually played a premiership at Rumbalara. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Dallas Turlich. Dallas Turlich saved my life. Really? Dallas Turlich. Dallas Turlich. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. He he literally like I got up there. I'd been playing VFL footy and was a mess. Um, my old man was an alcoholic and um, was in the process of dying of alcoholism. And um, mm. he, you know, I got up to Rumbra and sort of had left the VFL club I'd been playing at. Trying to figure out what I'm doing, and um, yeah, Dallas took me under his wing, and, and honestly, just changed my life. Mm, amazing, mate. Tell me, uh, yeah. obviously, uh, getting back to the footy side of things, you had a, had a bit of talent then. Who, where were you playing in Melbourne? Uh, I played at Coburg for four years and spent a year training at Subiaco, but I kept getting injured, so I broke a rib in the preseason and broke a hand, and that was about my year. Yeah, sort of done and dusted, mate. Uh, but, yeah, geez, that's that's incredible. I never knew that. There you go. Tell me about Dallas and tell me about Rumbler and how that sort of evolved for you. Yeah, look, it's one of those things. I'd been at Coburg for a few years and we used to get flogged 
sort of every week. And, and, um, oh, and I just had a disagreement with one of the coaching staff about Indigenous things and um, he made a comment one night that I just thought, you know what, I've had a gutful of this. And mm. It was actually funny how it played out. I'd signed my contract for the year and um, then in the meantime, Rumba, another fellow you might, if you know Dallas, you probably know Dixie Patton. Yeah, I do. And Dixie, Dixie had sort of been reaching out to me, oh, brothers, we need a Ruckman, we need a Ruckman. And I played in the Ruckman. And Dixie says, you know, we need a Ruckman. I said, oh, yeah. But I didn't really take much note of it because I would sign the contract in, you know. Um, but then, you know, this sort of thing happened at training and I went in and spoke to the general manager and, and they said, look, if you want to go, we'll let you out of your contract. And, and you know, at the time I thought, well, it'd be good to get up home. It'd be good to get to know, you know, just spend some time up there. And I had a girlfriend from Shepparton at the time, so she was living up there and, it just all made sense. So um, I went up and Uncle Paul Briggs, actually, it was really Uncle Paul Briggs and, and Dallas Turlich and Dixie, those three sort of just took me in. And, I mate, I was a mess. I, to be honest with you, I was kind of going straight from the nightclub dance floor at that point um, and, and sort of turning up and I was this VFL recruit, so I was supposed to be going pretty well. And I, my first few weeks, I didn't get a kick. Yeah. But they just, they stuck with me and um, and taught me how to be a man and, and taught me more about my family and the culture and what it means to be family and taught me what it means to respect yourself and to live healthy lifestyle and you know by the end of that year that was probably the most one of the most pivotal years of my life because it really just changed who I was and, and, and taught me to be a better version of myself it inspired me to be a better version of myself I should say. so yeah I, I owe Uncle Paul Briggs and da- Dil- Dal- Dallas and Dixie I owe those blokes everything you know mm, yeah amazing mate now you're bringing back lots of memories with Dixie and, and some of those guys but yep. uh, mate um just really, I'd, I'd like to know, uh, obviously, you didn't have much direction in your life with your dad and that sort of thing, but what, what was going wrong? Were you, were you drinking and using drugs too much around that time? Oh, look, I never, thankfully, I never got under the drugs, which, which I'm grateful for. Um, but, mate, I just like a lot of young blokes, and pretty particularly, um, I love a beer. I love the beer, and, um, you know, you sort of, one turns into five, and that turns into ten, and... Mm. Um, you know, and back in those days too, like this is 20 years ago, but in Melbourne, if you were a VFL footballer or even an AFL footballer, you know, you'd get drink cards. So I had a couple of mates playing AFL footy and we'd, mate, we'd go out and never pay for a drink, you know. So, uh, and it was really, I think it's changed now with young people, but back then it was a really, you know, it was a real binge drinking culture. Um, and, you know, we'd go out with the North boys and they'd be out drinking and the Coburg boys would drink them. And it was just what you did. You'd train hard, you played hard. And, um, yes. Uh, but, you know, my childhood was fairly, like, I went to seven different schools and moved around a lot. I was never really a happy kid, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I was happy, but there was, there was underlying things that sort of... So you look back now and you go, geez, we didn't know what anxiety was back then or depression was back then. Um, yeah, yeah. Mate, but, yeah, there was, it was, there was some pretty traumatic things that took place and, and you know, and... Um, Anyway, you, you get older and you realise that therapy is the best thing you can do. Yeah, mate. Well, they're, they're the skills and the tools we were never given back in those days, you know, when we probably needed to uh, to have that guidance and how to manage our nervous system a bit better. But, um, yeah, mate, full credit to you for um, for moving through what you've moved through and obviously um, getting to, you know, where you are now. And, I, um, mate, you know, I'd like to know how, how did you get into music? Like, how did this all evolve for you? Well, I always played music. My parents um, were Salvation Army, worked for the Salvation Army, and my dad was a social worker, ironically, he, and, and this is the tragic part of it. So he'd had a whole heap of trauma in his childhood. So he would, mm. he was a genius up until he was about 40. He was the smartest bloke ever. Like, 
if you've ever been to Kmart and put a present under the tree at Christmas time for people that are struggling, that was his idea and they still use it. Like he ran all of the social welfare for the Salvation Army in Australia. I grew up in Hong Kong for six years, all my primary school years lived in Hong Kong because he ran refugee camps for the Salvos over there. So, you know, he was he was high achieving, high intellect, and then in his forties he has a breakdown and um you know, and it all went pear shaped. But mm. but as a kid they used to drag us to church every Sunday to the Salvation Army Church without a brass band. And so my earliest memories of sort of are of music and, and learning how to play a cornet, which is like a trumpet for brass bands. So yeah, by the time I was seven, I was playing in a brass band with fully grown adults. Um, had a teacher in primary school who taught me guitar in grade four, Mr. Page. Um, and, and just you know, I could always play music, mate. You know, just it's, and I say this to young people. I speak in a lot of schools. Of, you know, these days what I do is I sort of sing, sing and speak in about 120 schools around the world every year about Aboriginal culture and you know our history and storytelling and. And one of the things I talk to kids about, I'm passionate about, is like when you're born, every single human, we're all given gifts. Every single person is multiply gifted. Yes. And one of the secrets to life is you've got to find out what you're gifted in and then work your ass off to be the very best you can be at that gift. Mm. You know, So like I get people go, oh, geez, you, go, you play music and you travel all over the world, geez, you're lucky. I go, yeah, I know I'm lucky, but yeah, I worked pretty hard to be this lucky. Like yes. I practiced every single night for two hours a night. You know, and I didn't realise I was doing it for a career at that point. I was 13, 14, and I just, I love playing music, so I just did it every day. Um, you know, so you got to figure out what your giftings are and then work really hard at them and then try and see if you can combine that with your passions and make a living doing those two things put together. Yeah. Well, um, and so that's kind of, that's, that's how I've ended up, where I've ended up. It gives you purpose, you know, and that's that's the thing, Scott, like, you know, I think everyone's got a gift and they've, they've all got a purpose for being here. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, of helping guys sort of tap into that. And I know you're passionate about the prison system, and, and, and I've worked in the prison system reasonably extensively, and I've seen some amazing things happen before my eyes when I've actually, like, showed guys compassion and given them tools on how to sort of, you know, be better. And, yeah, you, you know, I just think, I think if you can actually help empower an individual to, uh, to find that purpose, then they're going to stay on track. They're not going to get themselves in trouble and uh, they're probably going to live a bit better. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think every, everybody needs a reason to get out of bed. That's the best thing. Yeah. So you, you got to, but it comes back to like, it's funny, I'll talk, I'll talk to young people and I go, out of all the adults, you know, what percentage of them do you reckon go to work every day? And they don't necessarily hate it, but they certainly don't love it. You know, they're like, oh, Got to, got to make a living, got to pay my bills. And young people routinely, and they're very perceptive, they turn around and be going, oh, yeah, 70 to 80%, 70 to 90% of adults are living in that paradigm. And I'm like, well, is that any one way to spend your time? Because you don't even know how many of these days you've got. Like, in a lot of ways, time is the one true currency that any of us have got because you don't know how many days you've got. And, you know, once today's gone, you never get back. It's irreplaceable. So what we've got to be able to do is go, let's make it count. Let's find out what our giftings are. Let's find out the things on this planet that make your guts burn. What is it that you're passionate about? It might be an environment. It might be people. It might be cooking. It might be, you might be passionate about sport. But what are you passionate about? And then can you combine your gifts that you've been given, your talents, with that passion and go to work every day and just go, geez, how deadly is my life? Yeah. yeah. So no, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people get to do that, but I certainly do and, and I'm grateful for it. Amazing, mate. Tell us a bit about your um, yeah, your album. Is this the first one? And do you have um, uh, like other recordings that people could maybe maybe tap into and listen to? As no, well, well I, I was in a band for several years, and uh, we did three records. That I, I won't even say what that is because when those if I see those albums come up online, actually we did four albums. Um, I buy them so no one else will get them. Like, <laughs> if I see see those on eBay because I, I don't want people hearing them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is my second. This is my second solo album since that ended. And, um, 
and there's also some standalone singles available on iTunes and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, amazing, mate. How can people um, get hold of you, like with regards to looking for your music and uh, maybe having a uh, you know a listen and maybe go and see you perform in the future? Yeah, look, Scott, Spotify's you know all the, <laughs> all the usual things. So Spotify, Apple Music, uh, SoundCloud, um, YouTube, but also my Instagram. There's links in my bio on Instagram. Um, to, to all of that stuff as well, you know, so there's plenty of information on my social media as well. Yeah, so that is Scott Darlow, is that right? Yeah, Scott Darlow, D-A-R-L-O-W. Yep. Amazing, so just, if you put, just, just chuck that into Google and then a whole heap of stuff will come up. And look, the first two pages is Crime Stoppers, so ignore that and then go to page three. And, no, just kidding. <laughs> Any uh, aspirations to reignite your footy career? No, mate, I've got no... I actually went and saw a surgeon because I was thinking about having a kick in that. They had this game where the, um, like the Musos played the, the media personalities and I got invited to play in that and, and I went and saw a surgeon because I, I shattered my tibial plateau. The reason I stopped playing in early days was I shattered the top of my tibia bone. So um, I had three surgeries and five screws in the plate and my knee's just gotten worse and worse each year. And so I went to the surgeon, he said, oh, look, it's so bad in there. He goes, your kneecap's grown extra. So you've got extra bone on your patella. He goes, ideally, I'd like to just remove your whole patella. He goes, you need a knee replacement, but you're too young. Um, so basically, I've got no cartilage in there at all. It's bone mm. on bone. There's a couple of cysts in there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty much an old man who just lives around these days. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to play. But uh, unfortunately, the, the body is shot. Not going to happen. Tell me, do you uh, no. do you really believe, um, with regards to your culture, that things are on the up now with regards to reconciliation and maybe getting a voice in Parliament? Oh, look, I think we're heading in the right direction, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of Australians who just um, and I get it. I mean, everyone's busy, you know. Everyone's trying to pay their bills, spend time with their kids, yeah. you know, and we're asking them to care about something else that doesn't really on the outset doesn't seem to affect them mm-hmm. which it actually does affect them mm-hmm. um, I think the problem is is that most Aussies your age my age we were taught that Captain Cook discovered this country mm-hmm. and and if you believe that or even if you half believe it that word discovered means that there was nothing here before that right so there's a whole bunch of Aussies running around this country right now who they don't realise they think it but what they believe is that this country is only 253 years old mm. right now if you live here and you call this country home you are just as much Australian as I am as an Aboriginal man right because here's the thing what makes this the best country on the planet is that we've always welcomed everybody that ever came here you think about it right my Aboriginal ancestors for thousands of years were welcomed by Mother Earth and they thrived but then my dad's family who were Scottish convicts in the 1800s transported to Tasmania as a 15 year old Scottish thief got caught stealing fruit from London as a 15-year-old kid. This country welcomed him and gave him a second chance when England turned, turned around and told him he was scum. Mm. Right? So I've got this great life because this country welcomed him. You know, we had all these Greek people and Italian people post-World War II who were given an opportunity to call themselves Australians. Vietnamese, Chinese people escaping communism and war and so on and so on. Each group of people that's come here has brought stuff that's made this country better. You know, so we all live here together, regardless of skin colour. Like the arrogance of some dumb bogans who are like, oh, I'm a more Australian than you because I've been here six generations, you've been here for three. Mm. Get stuffed. <laughs> yeah, you live, here, you, call, you live here, you call this country home. You are as Australian as I am as an Aboriginal man. Right, so if we could agree upon that, that we're all equally Australian, what that means is you're not a 253-year-old Australian. You are a 65,000-year-old Australian, mm. right? And what that means is all of this story, all of this culture, all of this damage, all of this trauma, it's yours. Not in the same way it's mine. 
obviously. It's considered as like we're in a family, right? We're all in the same family, and each family member has a different role. The grandparents, i.e. the Aboriginal elders, they sit at the top of the tree. They're the matriarchs, the patriarchs, and they have all the wisdom and the stories and the knowledge, and we, we have reverence of them. But then, you know, we're all sitting underneath them in different stages, and... and we're still all in the same family, right? Mm -hmm. So what we've got to do is if, if you can really start to believe that that's who you are, all of a sudden this journey, this story is yours, and you're going to sit there and go, well, of course I want politicians to spend time with elders and with people who have got all the stories because that's going to help us understand the DNA and the fabric of who we are in a more meaningful, holistic way. Mm. Um, it, it's all really pretty simple if you can understand it in that regard, but I think there are some people who, you know, it's like when I started playing music, there's a lot of artists and bands in the early days who they kind of, you know, they're all trying to make it. And so they see success as a pie. And so they think, well, if Scott has success, there's less pie for me. And I want a pie, so I don't want him to have pie. Mm -hmm. But the truth of it is, if you work hard and you're kind and you're talented, there's pie for everyone. It just keeps replenishing. Yes. Now, there's, there's a lot of older Aussies who kind of think of it like that. They're like, oh, well, if there's a voice to parliament, there's less, there's less pie for me because I'm going to lose something. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. You know, there's, there's pie for everyone. We just, we just got to be smarter about how we do it and, and be more educated and, and more compassionate and empathetic, I think. Yeah, beautifully said, mate. The higher levels of consciousness that we're sort of disengaged from, eh? And, uh, yeah, yeah most I think we just got to understand who we are. Just we just got to re-identify and understand who we are as Australians, who we really are. Yeah, yeah, well said, mate. I love, uh, I love what you're doing, and I hope some people can really engage with your work, mate. And hopefully, we'll get you up here and you can do a bit of a tour around Queensland at some stage. Well, I'm on tour, mate. I'm on tour now. This weekend's the first or the second weekend of the tour. We're in Tassie this weekend, right? And then we go, then we go to Albury, and then we go to Wollaroo, then we go to Darwin. And then we go to Broome, right across through Fitzroy, crossing to Broome. And then we go all the way down the WA coast through August. We end up in Experance and Kalgoorlie. And then we end up going across to Sejuna, down to Port Lincoln, up to Adelaide. And then we're going to trek up through central sort of New South Wales and Queensland. And we're going to spit out at Cairns and all the way down the east coast through October. Amazing, so mate. if you get on my uh, Facebook page or Instagram, you'll see all the dates there. I'll keep an eye out for that, and uh, we might even pull you into Agnes Water possibly as well if you're interested to come and play a gig. I think it'd go uh, amazing. Oh, mate, I'd love that. Where, where are you? Where, so, where are you at? Ag Agnes Water, Central Queensland. So, um, yeah. So where's that near? Tell, tell me where that's near. Between Bundaberg and Gladstone. Oh, perfect, mate. I'm booked at Ketnock High School for a day. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yep, yep, yep. No, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Set, mate, yeah, flip me an email, mate. Let's come and, let's come and hang out. It'll be good. We'll get, can you take me fishing or what? Take me surfing? I can arrange that. The best surf uh, in, uh, well, not Queensland, but very close to it is in Agnes Water. So uh, ideal. Well, I will have a bus, I'll have a trailer, and I'll have my big buoyant six foot five fish. Keeps <laughs> my fat ass. Keeps yeah. my fat ass floating. <laughs> Done, mate. We'll see what we can do. Amazing. Appreciate the chat. No worries. Thanks so much Good for having man. me, man. I'm really excited. It's exciting to see you when I'm up there. It'll happen. Cheers, mate.